you know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. Mm. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Forever35. Hello and welcome to Forever35. 
a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. No, but we're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Friendly reminder, you can visit our website, Forever 35 Podcast, for links to everything we mentioned on the show. Our Instagram is at Forever 35 Podcast. You can find the Forever 35 community on Facebook groups where the password is serums. You can also shop our favorite products at shopmy.us slash forever35. And sign up for our newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. If you want to reach us, we have a voicemail and text number 781-591-0390. And our email is forever35podcast at gmail.com. Kate, we're doing a live show. Forever 35 live in celebration of five years together making this podcast. It is happening. You can come hang with us, experience a version of this podcast in real time with other Forever 35 listeners. There's going to be uh there's going to be games, there's going to be fun. There's going to be memories, there's going to be memories product made. reviews, memories there's made. There's going to be there's going to be merch launches. Mhm. Mhm. I mean, it's all happening. And most importantly, we're going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so, tickets are $10. Um they go oh. up to 12.50, day of show. And Dory, we should, we forgot to mention, this is a digital experience. So oh, yes. This anybody is a can experience. join, no matter where you are. Anyone can join. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. It will be... You can have a viewing party, too, if you want. It's going to be at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on February 22nd. That's a Wednesday. And yeah, you can get your tickets at moment.com co moment.co slash forever 35 we'll see you there we will see you there in fact the experience is going to be like a more modern version of my current self-soothing tv show go on i have started watching cheers the television show okay. Cheers, which ran in the 80s and early 90s, I one night was like, you know what sounds so good to me? Like it, the thought of watching Cheers felt like it felt the same as taking a hot bath. And I turned on the first ever episode of Cheers, which I've seen before. I've seen a lot of Cheers um, as a kid. My mom watched it and I've rewatched a lot of it as an adult, but like mm. not not in this way. And I turned it on and I just, I can't, I don't know what came over me. I don't know why it's this show. I, I have some ideas as to why. Um, but it has been extremely soothing. And I think part of it is that I don't have to sit and watch it with my full attention. Like I even mm-hmm. kind of just have put it on my phone and then done other things. So I'm almost just kind of hearing it in the background. You know, there are those people who fall asleep to the sound of TV. Yes, my husband is one of them. He's one. So I'm not. That that thought stresses me out. But this is almost as close as I've gotten to kind of understanding it. So two things. One is that there was a New Yorker article in the last week about ambient TV watching. 
And the show they talk about is Emily in Paris as like mm. the perfect like show to have on in the background. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, have you talked to my husband about Cheers? No, but I know it's his favorite show, right? Or is that Frasier? Yeah, I would say Cheers One and Frasier. Yeah. Um, and so I I totally see it how it is a comfort tv watch there's also something i think in the familiarity and i don't know if if this resonates with you or anybody else but i sometimes get a deep longing for like when i was a kid not like my childhood but the the feeling of kind of like comfort and safety that i had as a child which i know many people don't experience in their childhood um, but I was very fortunate to kind of have that kind of home life. And something about like just cheers on in the background, it reminds me of like my mom sitting in bed. It reminds me of like a simpler time of my childhood, like where there are no cell phones. It reminds me of Boston and just that energy and mm. which is where, you know, we're from. Just something, something about it. It's, it's like, um, it's like an old sweatshirt that you've had for 30 years. Mm. And that is really, for whatever reason, I'm I'm craving that feeling right now. I'm really craving it. I don't know if I'm craving like, you know, a time pre-COVID, pre-internet. <laughs> I, I don't know. But where my head is right now is like 1983 Beacon Hill with Sam Malone. I'm into that for you. Also, it's so dated that you have to just watch it and be like, Oh Jesus Christ! Like it's yeah. Is there so... anything that yeah? Is there anything that you've oh. seen that you're sort of like ooh? Oh, every two seconds there's something. <laughs> so there's that. You know, you have to watch it with a, uh, you know, with with a, a scrutinizing eye. Scrutinizing? Nope, not a word. With scrutiny, you watch it with a, you watch it. You know, understanding. Right. But. But all, all of taking, you know, and Diane is like constantly, Sam kisses her like in the fourth episode without any consent. Like just, it's like, ugh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise, aside from those big glaring holes, there's something kind of, you know, it's been cozy for me. Well, that's what I've been up to, Dory. I've just been... Watching Cheers and taking deep breaths and just trying to take every everything day by day. That's my self care right now. I'm I'm into this. Um, I have an update for everyone. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, Kate. Actually, I this might have actually led to our free mugging discussion <laughs> because okay. we were we were talking about the Ember mug. The yes mug that like keeps your coffee at a specific temperature Indeed. and you were talking about how much you like it and I said I like it but I find that having an open mug of coffee around me like I it's like dangerous like I'm worried I'm gonna knock it over I drink coffee by my computer like it just just doesn't seem like a great idea so I haven't been using it the PR marketing person for Ember who had initially sent us these mugs, like immediately reached out and was like, 
And I, oh, and I said, I should have gotten the travel mug. And she said, mm. Hey, we started making lids for the regular Ember mug. Mm-hmm. Like, would you like me to send you one? And I said, Yes, I would, please. So she did send me one and I have been using it. And I'm happy to say that, like, I like it, it has made me use the Ember a lot more. I like it. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't stay on quite as well as like a Yeti lid, for example. And I don't know if that's because it was kind of like retrofitted to it. You know what I mean? Like the Ember was not intended to have a lid. So it doesn't stick on quite as securely as you might want, but it's secure enough that I have it on my desk. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's been great. So if you, if you are like me, a rational human who does not like to, Wow. That was a real <laughs> dig that you got in there. Oh, uh, I really enjoyed it. I heard this. it. I heard it. I know um, you do. You, you know, and you've been you've been hesitating about taking the plunge on an ember mug. And I know they're expensive, so they're not in everyone's budget. But if it's something that you had been eyeing, uh, they now do make a lid. So just wanted to report back, let everyone know that I've been using it. I'm happy for you. I keep mine at my desk, but I'll have you know, I don't have that lid on. I live oh, on the I edge. I know you don't, Kate Spencer. <laughs> Living on the edge over here. Well, anyway. Kate, yes. should we introduce our guest? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Our guest today is Carmen Rita Wong. We had so much fun talking to her. Carmen is a writer and a producer and a nonprofit board director. Her beautiful memoir, Why Didn't You Tell Me, came out last year. And she has served on the board of the Planned Parenthood Federation of America. And you might also know her as the former co-creator and television host of On the Money on CNBC. And she's just brilliant, hilarious, insightful. And has such an interesting life story. She was really, she's a really fascinating person. And I loved her book. Do you want to tell us a little, well, you know what? Should we let Carmen tell our listeners what it's about? Let's let Carmen tell us about her book. Well, first of all, Carmen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We're thrilled to have you on to discuss your book and your life experiences. Um, But we always get started by asking our guests to share a self-care practice that is a part of their own life. So if you don't mind kicking things off with us, Mm -hmm. uh, we can take a minute if you need to, if you need to brainstorm, but, but what is something that you do for self-care? Uh, I do a couple things. Well, first of all, just that breath that I just did, Mm. (laughs) I do that. I consider that self-care because sometimes I, I literally almost feel like I'm forgetting to breathe. Um, but what I do every morning, and I've gotten to, into this practice, I have, you know, as as many of us do maybe, once you get over the age of 25, have some back issues, um, which started for me from waiting tables when I was a teenager. Oh, interesting. Um, so standing all the time or was it the kind of bending and picking up of I stuff? I was also, sometimes I also had to like bust my own tables and I was on my feet 12 hours a day and picking up giant, you know, 40 pounds and 
of uh, dishes and stuff. So I get up in the morning and I, I'm not a yoga practitioner, but I do these stretches, you know, like cat cow. And I do, you know, downward, I do stretches in the morning and it's like the second the alarm goes off, I don't look at my phone. I get down on the floor. I do my stretches five minutes max. And then I don't look at my phone for like, until I get my daughter ready for school and we're all out and da da da. Because let me tell you, I used to get sucked into that thing. And you know, it's not the best way to start your day for sure. I'm so, this is an aspirational um, practice for me. The idea of like, I don't touch my phone until every, all my kids have left the house or something like, like, you know, something like that. Was there a moment where you were just like, I'm, I've had enough. Like I am, I can feel my pull to this smartphone and I need to curb it. Like, was it a, was there a learning curve and kind of cutting the cord in that way? Or one day did you just have enough? I've done it on and off for years. Uh, but this January, of course, with the new year, I've definitely started seriously holding back on social media. It's not for the greatest reason. It's because my daughter and I, we had to limit our lives. Our lives used to be full of travel and hosting and events and galas and constantly, you know, being around people. She's now in year two of long COVID and she's 16 Mm. and we, I can't. I can, we can't do these things and um, it's very dangerous if she gets it again. So our lives have become very, very small and limited. So this January, I decided, you know, looking at social media, I love my friends. I love my people, but also seeing everyone kind of out there in a world that I used to be in um, was difficult. And so yeah. it was self-care to be able to go, okay, it doesn't make me feel good. I'm happy for everybody, but I feel like I'm in living in another place and missing so many things. So I'm just going to step back and focus on creating again, you know, creating myself, writing more and creating and and those sort of things. But on and off, because I'll tell you when it first started, when I had my daughter and here she was a toddler and I'm hosting and producing and writing a daily TV show and news, the news business does not sleep and it doesn't stop. But as someone who does, who wasn't able to have a great relationship with my mother, my parents and such, I wasn't about to have that happen again. So while I had the show, I put down a rule, which for someone as you know, in the, in the business, especially if you're the first time having a show, like no one puts down rules. Of course I got labeled difficult, but I said, I'm not looking at my phone between 6 PM and 8 PM. Because that's when I'm going to make her dinner, read her books, give her a bath, and put her to bed. Mm-hmm. And she needs my attention, period. Because she was starting to grab at the phone and be like, Mama, you know. And I was like, this is not, no, this is not good. So that's when I started the practice of being able to say, okay, this goes down. The world doesn't end. She has my attention and or I have my own attention. Whatever you need. Um you realize that things, things don't end. Like things don't fall apart if you're off for a couple of hours. They really right. don't. They'll still be there. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you miss, you can scroll back. Um, and if someone really, really needs me, I always say, if I'm working on writing chapters or an outline, I need intense concentration. I'll put my little OOO on my email and say, if you need to reach me urgently, text me or email my assistant. And it works. 
Mm-hmm. Because you can't, it's really hard to create if it's ping, 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 ping. You know, you have to be able to to focus and it's better for my sanity. It's so important to be able to set those boundaries. And I'm I'm so glad you were able to set them because, you know, I feel like some workplaces just don't don't respect those boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was a Especially battle. Especially in the media. <laughs> Dory, it was a battle. As you know, because you both have been in media, it... It was a battle. I did yeah. pay a price. I, mm. you know, they were not happy. Yeah. Um, and it led to changes in what I chose to do for work. So, for example, when when that contract ended and I, you know, and I got an offer from another network, I ended up having to turn it down and building my own business instead because they wanted to be able to ship me to whatever country I mean, like, I'm like a homegrown American. And they were like, Carmen Wong, we're going to send you to China. I'm like, excuse me? Yo hablo espanol. Okay. Yeah. Like, it was like, <laughs> it was very, you know, and, and they would not, they refused to budge on the contract. And that's, and I lost out on a long-term on-air TV career. Pretty much, I opted out. Yeah. Because um, I was going through a divorce. I became a single parent. And I was like, no, she needs me. And I don't mm-hmm. get an extra turn. I don't get another chance to do this. So I need to be my own boss. And frankly, as you may have read in the book, I did more than twice as better. Like I did so yeah. much better yeah. on my own yeah. um, than I did uh, as an employee. So well, you, you raise an interesting point too, which is this idea of setting a boundary gets you labeled as difficult. Oh, yeah. As- especially I think if you are a woman. Yep person of color, basically yeah. anyone who's not like, you know, a, a white man, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that is so interesting to me because we have we have no cultural boundaries set up, right? Like we have no parental leave. We have like, yeah. there's, there's not a lot of ways in which the systems are set up to kind of create boundaries for us. But and when we do it on our own, um, there's so much pushback. And yeah. um it, it requires, like, I mean, it's it's courageous to do that because there is often um, you are often penalized, as you mentioned. Yeah, I will. Thank you, but I'd say also it's terrifying. Yeah, like I have, <laughs> I have lived a lot of my life, you know, in, in in a lot of fear in different ways because I haven't had a safety net ever. Um, mm. And so you may think like, oh, that would make me more inclined towards something that's like super safe and and low key and chill, but no. <laughs> it actually made me the opposite because I definitely had kind of full faith that, you know, every win that I had since I was a kid, I I just kind of st- kept stacking them up and standing on them. Like mm-hmm. every win, whether it was an A or, you know, this nun thought I would get pregnant by 18 and then, you know, no, I didn't. I graduated and then went to college, <laughs> blah, blah, you know, and I just keep mm-hmm. stacking them up and just being and standing on them and making that my foundation of you know, understanding that if I live my life with my main number one value is fear, it's will completely stagnate me and rot, right? It'll make me make the wrong choices. So I decided I wasn't going to let fear run my show. Um, I saw it happen to my mother. I learned from the people around me in their lives, right? And I just, it was terrifying, trust me. I was yeah, terrified. Yeah. There's different than like there's a difference between leading with fear and being terrified. Yeah. I was leading with the value of what is important to me. Period. And 
I was not willing to compromise on a lot of those values. It did not make um, me an easy, put that in quotes, employee mm-hmm. for some white males mostly, um, especially in finance, because they looked at me and expected to be able to push me around and to keep me quiet. And then I would be a smiley puppet and that sort of thing, because everyone thinks, well, she's not going to walk away. She's not going to step up. And that's what they think of us. Like, we're not going to actually like step up and say something. And so that when you challenge their power, of course, they're going to say, you know, you're difficult. Mm -hmm. I lost, I can't tell you how many shows I lost (laughs) because of that label that unfortunately Mm -hmm. stuck with me because I refused to be pliable in the terms of, I am a very fair, obviously you can, I mean, you can ask any of my former colleagues, especially like at places like Planned Parenthood, where I'm dealing with politics and all kinds of people, man, I can really get people to work together and manage people really, real well. But if you tell me to compromise my values and say, no, we have to be able to reach you 24 seven, no matter what, pick up your phone and answer within five minutes. And I'm trying, I'm trying to raise a child. No. So I'm difficult. Okay, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the US and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So, This is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, 
our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events, there's weddings, there's nights out, it's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Superpower Short. The Superpower Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let Let me just tell you why. Yeah, get into okay, it. Do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no. I was just going to say like, I, I I, don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like get this off of me. <laughs> No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I, I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from thirty dollars. You got washable silk tops, really stunning fourteen karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. 
And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. All right, we are back. You brought up your mother and your Mm -hmm. family, and I thought that would be a good kind of segue into talking about your wonderful memoir, Mm. um, which I think Kate and I both really loved. Um, For the benefit of our listeners, could you just kind of briefly tell us about your book and then also just what it was like writing this very personal and, you know, emotionally wrenching memoir. Mm. I'm like, mm, let me give a moment with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a lot, but it's been, it's been enormous in so many ways, more good ways than bad, but just, just enormous. And I think, um, I wish this for everyone to create or achieve or do something that you want to do so badly that when you do it, like it's just the enormity of it. There's a level of just peace and satisfaction, and also holy. Can I swear? Holy shit! Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let it, let it all okay, out. Good, good. Because I, yeah, I'm a trucker. <laughs> holy shit! You know, like what the fuck did I do? Um, and I'll tell you, it's very hard because all my life I've been told that my story um, was too complicated and. Why can't it just be Latina or why can't it just be this or that or or, or just about your career? Hmm. My life started in Harlem in New Hampshire. My mother was a Dominican immigrant, teenager, and she was married off to my Chinese father, to Papi Wong, for the family's paperwork, the Dominican family's side of the family's paperwork. And Papi Wong was in his 30s and he was a gangster. So I, my name and where I come from and my origin story is basically uh, on the, um, let's say the, the black market on the, on the different side of the law, but she divorced him. And I have an older brother who my dear, dear brother and remarried an Anglo-American man who uh, she met through my godmother, who's taking classes at Columbia university. We lived around there and he moved us to New Hampshire because, you know, the neighborhood uptown was was pretty rough in the 70s uh, and 80s. So my mother wanted the American dream. My mother became mm. intoxicated by the mm. idea of the American dream. Because in the end, I found out that my mother, you know, this, you know, Afro-Latina immigrant from, you know, whose education stopped at 15, was actually incredibly intelligent, creative, ambitious human being who was not allowed to be any of those things. Um, but this American dream idea took hold of her. So she she married a white man and moved us to New Hampshire um, and then had my four sisters. And I can tell you that the the big shocks of my life were, you know, that kind of being raised first in a space that was black, brown, and Chinatown, 
as I say, black, brown, and China <laughs> down, um, to a white space back in those days, which, you know, didn't know what the hell to make of us mm-hmm. at all. And to see my mother as a human being kind of getting eaten away um, by being a woman and being uh, a black Latina woman in that space and in her marriage where we weren't allowed anymore to speak Spanish, eat Latin food. She wasn't allowed to cook Latin food, watch anything Latin, the music, everything was just gone. Um, And that was, that was difficult and difficult to watch her and then their marriage dissolve and then watch her kind of try to come back to her Latinist and, and it didn't succeed. And in the end though, when I'm asking her, and what this book is really about is I'm talking to her ghost, right? I'm asking her, why didn't you tell me? She hid who my real father was. I was raised Chinese Dominican. I was 31 years old. When I was 31 years old, she's dying of cancer. I find out from my stepfather that Papi Wong is actually not my father. He's my brother's father, my older brother's father, but, but not mine. And then she told another story to him, to my stepfather, to Poppy, who still thinks he's my father, to me, to everyone. And she dies with that story. And then I take 23 and me. Mm. And it's a whole nother story altogether. And then I had to spend 10 years trying to find out um, who this person was and, and who she was to make these decisions. Women, we have to make decisions and lead our lives in such a way of the confines of what kind of society we're in, all these things. Who was she to make all these decisions and create this life for me? which was very difficult. Um, that's what I wanted to, to answer. And in answering that, it wasn't just about finding out who my real father is. It's really discovering who I am and who we were as women. It, it raises such like interesting questions about <clears throat> identity and your life story and like who controls it and how you take ownership how one can take ownership of it over what they're taught and they're told. I mean, it, it's, there's so many interesting layers that, yeah. that go, go into these discoveries that you made about both your family and your mother and yourself. Um, and I, I guess I'm curious, like, how did you, how did, or, or when did it finally feel like your own? Like, when did you, f- and maybe like, did, was there a moment where it almost felt like you had control of the narrative or took control of the narrative or were almost cre- like in charge of writing your own identity and story, if that makes any sense? Yeah. Well, you said took control of the narrative when I got this hardcover book in my hand. Mm-hmm, <laughs> That's when I, mm-hmm. I wrote the book. Um, yeah. I, feel, I mean, literally. I, like I, yeah. I literally wrote the book. Um, I think that it took years you know, after that initial surprise, um, many years for me to understand where I myself stood. And I have to say that many, many years of therapy, by the way, I mean, (laughs) weekly, there are many years of therapy. Oh yes. Many, many years. Um, and, and self questioning, right? Because therapy only works if you actually do the work, right? So I did the work. I kept asking myself those questions and the world changed around me, right? So all of a sudden I have a seven-year-old girl who's very comfortable with telling me that she wants to be Demi Lovato's girlfriend, you know, and I'm (laughs) like, oh shoot, 
mm-hmm. can't lie to you too. I better the hell come out of the closet because mm. I can't be walking around pretending I'm straight anymore. Um, I'm queer, by the way, which is like a pan thing. But like, anyway, my point is, is I have been unraveling also to this book coming out has even helped even more because, you know, the support I've gotten from the Asian community, from the Chinese community has been fantastic because one of the biggest, most painful things was my ties to Asian culture as well. Because, you know, here I have these two parents with, of course, my mother was my biggest influence. Of course, I'm very much a Latina through and through and Afro-Latina proud, right? But Poppy has always been in my life. Always been in my life. That Chinatown history we have. I live downtown now and I walk through Chinatown. And I go to China and I have so many memories. It was so incredibly important into who I, you know, turning me into who I am. Um, and I am still Chinese. Am I biologically Chinese? No. But was I raised? Yes. So, you know, many in the Asian community are like, you were raised Chinese, like you're Chinese. It's Mm -hmm. like, if you're adopted from China and you come to the United States, you're an American, like you're American. People look at you and say, oh, you're Chinese. And you're like, I'm American Chinese. You know, there are all sorts of these ways to identify, but no one can erase me, that part mm. of me in particular. Um, and when Poppy passed away this past summer, it was made even more clear to me, look, he wasn't a good man. He was a bad man. <laughs> but he did love me as a father. He did always want a relationship with me. That's not something I got out of everybody in my family. Um, and in the end, because my brother also had passed away, it was up on me to take care of him. And when I, you know, had him cremated and had the ceremony, I had a Buddhist monk do the ceremony. I realized, wow, like he was my father. Mm. He, he was, he was my father. My, Mm. now my stepfather, Marty was very important. Obviously I wouldn't have had a television show about finance (laughs) if it wasn't for him and our little economic talks at the dinner table. But who shows up? is who your family is. And the world can look at you and decide who you are. And that is truth. Um, You can't just show up one day and say, um, I'm Russian. You can't do that. However, there is, you can say, this is how I was raised. This is my family. Um, And that's really important, especially culturally, as we have these conversations about identity. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, you've, I feel like you've talked about this and other people have talked about this, that the, that the ways that people are discovering the things that they thought about their families <laughs> are, are not, you know, are not what they thought. Um, and having to kind of like reevaluate their own identities and what they thought and who they thought their families were, et cetera. Do you have advice for people who are learning these new things about themselves? Mm. Yeah. Um, I've actually talked to a few groups of of people. There, There's a phrase in community for people who have discovered their parents later in life through DNA testing. For example, um, no matter how you find out, the best thing 
in terms of understanding myself was being able to, I couldn't see clearly until I dealt with my feelings towards the, the, the people who are supposed to tell you the truth from the time you were born, the first people mm. you're supposed to trust. The time you were born, you have to be able to trust in order to grow up <laughs> well, right? Mm -hmm. Is it, And that's what love is, right? So I didn't get that. So how do you... How did I deal with that first? And one of the things is I say to anybody, because of course you're going to have so much heartbreak and so much anger and so much disappointment and pain. They're just people. And what I mean by that is you don't go and get a graduate degree in parenting. We're just a bunch of animals <laughs> who reproduce people. People are messed up. People do crazy things. There's generational trauma. There's what you've learned, what's been passed down to you. Your parents were once kids who were also had bad things done to them probably, right? So if you see them as that, and that was the biggest thing that I was able to do in doing this book and looking at my mother and seeing, you know, why did she do the things she did? It's to just to look at her as a person. And that doesn't necessarily bring forgiveness. You don't have to forgive. Forgiveness is, you know, you got to have an apology and a change of behavior and all that stuff. And so I never got that, <laughs> but it, bring, it brought me peace. Mm -hmm. It brings you a lot of peace to not, what it does is you're not taking it personally because at the right. end of the day, it's not about you right. actually. Yeah. Right. Right. People, someone said to me, um, I was interviewed and they said, well, don't you think that maybe like your mother did this for you or to protect you? And I was like, no, you could read the book again. <laughs> but what I'll say is, no, she did it to protect herself. Yeah. Right. And in so many of these stories, what I'm hearing from people, and let me tell you, it's amazing. These wonderful emails, like through my website or DMs that I'm getting from people that are just full of pain from all mm. kinds of life, by the way. Right. We're talking white men. We're talking yeah. like every color and shade of person is saying, I am a secret. I was mm. a secret. I just discovered. And it's so painful. But just, I would say, just keep in mind at the end, it, if you see them as people, you realize that it's not about you, which is both incredibly sad because it should have been about you. Yeah. But it gives you so much clarity and so much peace because then you realize it's, it's not your fault. It's not your burden. Mm. Um, it's just part of who you are. And I'm trying to move forward with like some discovery and just kind of love towards this new family that I have found. Um, so late in life, which is weird. Uh, but just moving forward with that. So we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad, they're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I know. Visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. Mm. 
And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Okay, we're back. You know, we talk about self-care and I'm wondering if there were things that you did to help, you know, there's a lot of kind of either letting go of trauma or moving through trauma through all these discoveries. Were there things that practices that you had that, or, or kind of, uh, breaks that you took or anything that you did to care for yourself as you were really in the thick of it? Because so much of this can, it's a real process going through. Oh yeah. Not just the discoveries about others and unearthing, you know, the truth behind secrets, but how that impacts your, the way you care for yourself and reflect on yourself. Therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, keep, yeah, just going to no. keep saying that. No, um, Sing it from the rooftops. Therapy. Um, and I was not raised in a family that believed in therapy. You know, the cultures I was raised in consider me weak. Um, that's something weak. That's something for white people. That's something, you know, you don't, we don't do that, but I'm not a religious person. So I needed to, to find a lot of answers and a lot of, um, discovery about myself. What I did during all of this, honestly, was just take the time and carve out that world. That's kind of always pulling at you. You know, you should be here. You should be doing this. You should be, you know, and really focusing on the people who continue to show up for Mm. me and my daughter. I consider them family, by the way, blood or no blood, their family. Um, And I'm very close with my sister-in-law, my brother's widow. 
I've known her since I was 16 years old. And we were able, you know, we lost him together, but we were able to, she was always able to make me feel that I would be okay. And I think taking the time to be vulnerable with somebody is such a gift. Being feeling safe enough to be vulnerable with somebody is is such a gift. Um, and also to escaping to the beach. Now I'm not talking fancy <laughs> beach because you know we're 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 land bound now. My daughter and I we can't get on planes. So um, driving out to the Jersey Shore. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Asbury uh, Park is a fave. I've always been taking her. And just even when it's cold, bundling up and going and plopping myself down on an empty beach has been, has I call it like my church. Mm. Oh, that, I'm on the record as saying I love a cold beach. So I'm oh right God, there with you. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea until the past two years. I never went to the beach in the cold ever. I was like, you people are crazy walking on the beach, posting pictures of beaches, freezing. I love it. Yeah. It's I great. I love yeah. it. What peace. I mean, oh. I would even argue that like a hot beach is not that fun. <laughs> Do you know now I've like stopped going as much the second it's hot. Now I'm like yes, all about it being cold. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm all about just make it sunny and I'll just take a walk along and it's empty. And I love yes. it. And the sun is pretty rough so no i'm with you yeah. dory i share thank that thank you carmen yes. thank you absolutely um, you know i wanted to also ask you about fashion and beauty rituals because <gasps> you wrote really oh beautifully um you wrote an essay and you talked a little bit about the fashion and beauty rituals that you had had with your grandmother and then also some that you now have with your daughter Yes. Um, and I was hoping you could talk a little bit about those rituals and just, you know, I know the rituals you have with your daughter are different than the ones you had with your grandmother, but how the ones you had with your grandmother have kind of influenced you and influenced these rituals you now have with your daughter. First of all, can I tell you how excited I am to be able to come on and talk to you about this? Yay! <laughs> I'm just like in all of this, these interviews talking about all this deep stuff and you're like, let's talk about, I'm like, yes, I please. Mean, when uh -huh. I read that, I was like, oh, well, I definitely have to ask her about that. <laughs> yes. Well, like, you know, because I, I love it and I feel like there is an element of it's not just the self-care there's art there's yeah. beauty and i'm not talking about beauty like you know models i'm talking about just freaking beauty like a flower self expression self-expression yeah. it yes. is so i'm i'm a weirdo in that i just look at everything with like an art eye like Every, mm. I could see the beauty in almost anything unless it's, unless it's ugly and mean. But you know what I mean? Like I can just like – I love nothing more than if I like have a beautiful like door handle. You know, sometimes you like go to a place and this door handle – I'm like, oh, like that's me. Yeah. So give me a nice tube of lipstick <laughs> <laughs> and I am done. Um, my abuela took me – she was very into beauty. Now listen, we're Latin families. So you know I was raised on those awful things called beauty pageants. Um, and my mother used to put me in them, but for me, it wasn't so much the vanity, which it's, it's a little bit of a curse, but it's about pride hmm. and not a, a destructive pride, a pride in presenting yourself as best as you can. And the funny thing is, is that the stress of being on television while my marriage was falling apart, while I had a baby at home. Do you know what really 
enabled me to do that was showing up in the makeup room mm. and those ladies smacking on what I called my armor. I said, and they would say, how much armor you need today? I'd say Mach 3, like, let's go. Yeah. Or some days I would be like, no, nah, I'm okay. Let's do this, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it is like, what is the face I present to the world? That is one role that it's really an important role that's played in my life. But two, it's really that element that I see my daughter having, which I just love, of just caring for the body you're in, which is kind of weird because we're a, f- a family. Yes, the two of us are family um, that live in our heads a lot. We're in our heads a lot. So we tend to neglect mm-hmm. the body part. Um, mm. And it just kind of centers yourself back into your body, reminding you that you're in it, that you're in a, in a body and the wrinkles come. And yes, yes. Just like Abuela, I color my hair. (laughs) I don't let the gray show too much, that sort of thing. But that's, that's my choice, but you got to just love that and elevate that and celebrate it. And you guys got me on like one of my favorite topics. I just, I find the ritualisticness of it or the ritual of it really special super super special take care of your skin ladies well i mean do you want to tell us what you use for skincare products because we do talk <laughs> about that a lot on this show yes. also yes. also makeup i should know, I know that carmen's eyeliner. makeup looks beautiful today yeah. Can you, i know you all can't see it but um, no. cat eye since 16 it's so good <laughs> always <laughs> have the cat eye do you use a liquid liner or a pencil no i use a pencil actually kat von d has a liner called tattoo ink and I've used the Stila one as well. But let me tell you, from the time I was 16 years old, I used to take, you remember eyeliner first came out? I used to melt the tip on my light bulb. Oh, smart. Oh, I used and to, we, we used to melt crayons on, matches, on our light bulbs. On matches. Yeah. Yes, it's the same thing. Exactly. So, um, no, but I will tell you, my wonderful friend um, has her skincare line blew up in it. And I'm just so, so happy. She's one of the few black dermatologists um, who's pretty well known, Rose Ingleton. So Rose, who who's a friend, but look, if I had gotten sample and I'd been like, eh, you know, I would be like, because eh, I'm really fussy about what I put on my face. When I tell you she has this moisturizer that I put on, I'm addicted and I put this stuff on my face and it's like, I'm in the freaking spa. Like I love her signature moisturizer is to die. And then for some reason, how can we be, how can I be this old and still get zits? Right. So she has like, hormones, right? she has hormones? This, like, zit, this like zit cream that I put on and gone, like incredible wow. stuff. Yeah. 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 But I do love makeup. And in terms of um, speaking of Chinese, Florasis is a Chinese brand. I, I have not done my due diligence. So, you know, please don't hate on me if we find out they have bad practices. But I have looked a bit into them and their packaging. They actually have I don't know if you guys are familiar with like the Chinese snuff boxes that would be in this like red lacquer and they'd be carved. The lipstick no. is carved. Wow. Like a snuff, like a Chinese snuff box. That's it. I'm done. I was like, there goes my money. Take my money. Well, I like that you mentioned that too, because with the the ritual element, like there's something about, okay, I've been obsessed with Brad Pitt's skincare line. Dory has heard this. What? Is it really good? (laughs) No, no. I haven't haven't tried it. Oh, it's very expensive. 
the packaging it's is beautiful. insanely expensive. It's so expensive. Oh, but the no. Packaging. Is it one of those really, how much yeah. are we talking? Oh, here? like hundreds, hundreds. What? It's like 200, yeah. 50, 300 for like an oil or something. Oh, no. Sorry. I know. I got my limits. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. not happening. But if mm-hmm. you saw the bottle, you would want, like, the, and like you're describing, there's something just. All your senses get used, I think. And when it becomes – when it's able to be a ritual that doesn't feel performative or like it's participating in any of these kind of negative sides of beauty culture, of which there are many. Oh, yeah. It can be really powerful and and really soothing. I I just – I like how you describe that because something about that kind of like the seeing it and holding it and just the twisting of a cap, it's really – it's just very a nice practice in that way. But you bring up a really good point because look, makeup and stuff like that has not always been, and my love of of makeup and hair and all that stuff has not been accepted in fashion because I don't. I think I wrote about this in the book when I was trying to succeed in the magazine business and writing. I was on the finance side, right? Money and fortune. They actually would. You don't look like a writer. Ooh. Now I Ooh. would say. Oh, oh, because of this, you know, I'd be like my skin color, like because of this. And yes, mm-hmm. I got some that were saying, yes, oh, you cannot be objective because, you know, you're not white. But I also got you, you wear too much makeup, you dress, you wear heels. Writers don't wear heels. Oh, this writer does. Okay. And she does her hair and she's, and it was used against me. Can you imagine? Like we were, we'll allow women as long as you're completely schlubby. And like, mm-hmm. I did all this stuff for myself. I would show up with a different hairstyle because my hair was really long and sometimes I'd, you know, curly, sometimes not, but and I get snide remarks like every day, how dare I give a crap? It was part of my culture. It was how I was raised. And um, mm. I also enjoyed myself and I wasn't doing it to to parade around and make anybody feel bad. You know, it's that whole kind of women with the whole like peacocking thing. Like if you're too much, you're too mm-hmm, much. Mm-hmm. I listen, take it as far as you want it to go. As far as, as far as you want it to go <laughs> or not. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, this, this idea of wielding, and I don't know if femininity is the right word, but kind of. Yes. Using it, wielding it as, um, a power over like either this is how you fit in or like you participate and you fit in or you don't participate and you fit in. But either way, it's being used as a means of control. Yes. Patriarchal control. And that is. um, Exactly. Listen, you better believe Cleopatra wore makeup. She was a queen. Okay. She could rule just fine. And, you know, and tattoos, like I wasn't able to get mine, you know, until I was like out of that business and doing my own business. And well, actually, no, I lie. I just wasn't, I had them. I just, didn't have it in places you could see them. <laughs> and now you do. And now I do because I can. Um, but those ideas of how we we uh, present ourselves, meaning that you can't be smart, you can't be successful, you can't be serious, you can't be, like you said, control. All, of, all about that. And that's only for like one part of being a woman or one side of being a woman, meaning it's only tied to your sexuality. I say, Mm. absolutely not. Go tell that to the peacock. Tell it to the peacock. Yes. (laughs) I don't even know if that made sense, but it sounded good. (laughs) I don't know. It seems cool. It's a great mantra. You know what? I'm going to use it. it. 2023, tell it to the peacock. I mean, (laughs) come on. It's just, it's fun. And I love that. I love that you ladies talk about it. And it's just, um, 
I just think it's it's so important, and I've seen it used against us so much. That idea that we can't care. Yeah. I know beauty culture is toxic. I know that, I, and I flat out will say, my daughter will be like, "Mom, you know, don't stop talking about this or don't talk sit, talk that way about that." I'm like, girl, I am vain. <laughs> I said that. I just flat out say that to her. I said, "I'm so glad you are the way you are, but girl, I am vain." And I will continue to do these creams. Mom, you don't need so many creams. You don't need so Girl, I am vain. Like, but not to a, you got to know when it's starting to not be good for your yeah. mental health or for your life. Um, I try to have fun with it. Well, and I also love that you're like framing it as like, I am vain. These are my choices. They don't yes. have to be your choices. Yes. Well, because I wanted her to understand because she really legitimately felt that I was making myself miserable. Mm. Um, you know what I mean? And I, the message, she's 16, right? And I don't want her to get the message. I don't want her to get that message. Um, right. And so she does almost the same thing I do. Some days she'll show up. She doesn't do her makeup. Of course, she'll brush her teeth and brush her hair and all that stuff. But like she won't do makeup. And then one day she just, oh, I just felt like it. And she will do the whole thing. It's all about like what vibe she's feeling that day. And yeah. that's cool. And that's what I want her to to feel like. Not It's not an obligation. It's an expression. Mm. I, I love that distinction. I sound like a great mom, Car. I just, you know what? Oh God, You're doing I'm great. Trying so you hard. Are. Teens are <laughs> teens sound tough. Mine are close to teen, but not teen yet. And that sounds uh it's hard. Oh, but you, the, your description of your relationship with your daughter is so beautiful. Thank you. I I try hard. I, what I, the first thing that brought me actually into therapy, even before I had her was I just refused to parent the way my mother parented. Yeah. It was my own pain. I was just like, I can't be like this. I can't get into a relationship. I can't have a child like the, like this, the way I was mentally. I just can't, I've got to figure out my own stuff. And I still am. And I still am, you know, she could even tell you that if she was here, what I was like, you know, seven, eight years ago, as opposed to, to now. And I see it as a constant, especially because she has challenges, right? Um, mm. It's a constant thing. And I think it benefits everybody when you work on yourself. It benefits everybody when you have boundaries and self-awareness. Um, and I say that to her too. I'm like, sometimes I'm like, good mommy, good home. Like, let me, <laughs> let me have, so, so this is what I'll do because I'm a solo parent. One weekend a month, I try to go away, put that in quotes, meaning drive like an hour and either go to go to Asbury, go to the beach, or go upstate or something for one night for myself. And we have a wonderful family member slash cousin um, from her father's side who comes and has been staying with her since she was a baby. So oh. she's great. She's young. She's She's they're fun. They've known each other forever. So she's like an auntie and I'll be like, Oh, Hey, can you come this night? She comes and stays with her. And I, I go because I have to keep my sanity and she gets it, but I had to really talk to her about it. Yeah. So she didn't feel rejected. Yeah. Mm. Setting that boundary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got to, you got to, got to, uh, well, Carmen, it's been so great to have you on the show. Um, where can our listeners find you and your work? Ah, it's easy. It's just my name, com, And you can send me a note through there or Instagram, KarmaRitaWong. And DM me. I love to hear from people who read the book. I really do. 
Yes. And you can get Why Didn't You Tell Me anywhere you get books. And yes, it's wonderful. absolutely anywhere. And I did the audiobook as well. Oh, Ooh, I love, love that. that. Uh, yes. So it's, it's, I will brag. It's fantastic. I'm just okay. saying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love doing listen. it. So, um, I, and I do the voices in my family. So you'll get an additional hoot out of that one. Oh, that's so fun. Um, well, thanks again, Carmen. This was really great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Kate and Dory. This has been great. Thank you. <laughs> Another must read to add to your list, everybody. Yes. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? It, I, love, I love that it's a memoir, but there's also like kind of a mystery element to it. You know what? That scratches a real Dory Shafrir itch. It really does. It really does. A lot of twists and turns. And just such an interesting examination into identity and like who mm-hmm. we think we are and who we know we are and the, the mm-hmm. people who make us who we are. I mean, mm-hmm. ooh. Mm. Well, Dory, how has it been going over there for you, continuing organizing? Um, You know, haven't done a ton this week. That's okay. To be perfectly transparent. Um, But I have been doing my three-month plan. I did fill it out. Tell us about this. So I did fill it out. I filled out the whole template. And I also have been doing a habit tracker, which, like, I've always been a little bit skeptical of, but... Mm -hmm. There's a couple things on there that I actually do need to remember to do every day. And it's been helpful, like give the dog his pills. Mm, (laughs) And like I sometimes like can't remember if I've done it. And so this has actually been helpful for me to be like, oh, yeah, I did. And and weirdly keeping track of how much water I drink, which I know is a thing that you are. You've been like really into for a long time. Well, I just know I drink a ton of water. I don't I don't track it. I just I drink like I just am constantly drinking water all day long. Yeah. So, you know, I actually think that I have not been drinking as much water as I thought. Like in my head, I was like, oh, I'm someone mm. who drinks a lot of water. Oh, fascinating. But I don't think I I don't think I do. I think I drink an average amount of water and I could probably drink a little bit more water. So that's been like an interesting sort of takeaway if you will um there's that and then just kind of setting because it has you set out three goals for the quarter like three big goals for the quarter and then it has you break down the goals and like how you're going to do them and that was also just like an interesting exercise I like this for you. It gives you like a little bit of framework, it sounds like. Yes, it gives me a framework. And, you know, especially since I think I'd been talking about feeling kind of like a little bit at sea, I do think this is helping me feel a little bit more anchored and just like have a sense of like what I want to do, like setting goals. I've always, I feel like I have always had trouble setting goals but whenever mm. i do i always feel good about it you know what i mean it's like yeah it's like taking it's like eating a eating a, a carrot 
or like drinking your water. Yes. Or like going to bed on time. Yes. I don't like to assign good or bad to food, but that's right. Okay. Take out, take out the carrot, (laughs) take out the carrot. Um, I mean, but carrots are delicious yeah, and very good for your eyesight. <laughs> um, and I love carrot cake. Um, so yeah, so that's that's just kind of what I've been doing. And then, um, I I've decided that I've been, like I've I've been waiting to get some feedback on some stuff. Uh, for a few weeks and I've been feeling like certain things have been sort of on hold because of that. And Mm. I've decided at the end of this week, no matter like whether or not I've heard back, I just, I need to like plot a way forward Yes, um, because I don't like this like feeling of being in limbo. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not a great feeling. So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of, you know, rest the power back if you will so that's that's my goal for the week resting Great goal it back rest it back baby <laughs> um yeah well you know last week i had like rambled on about how i watched uh, a tiktok about 20 year olds who are into positive thinking and how it felt rooted in white privilege but i was gonna like it caused me to think about how i talk to myself Mm. I've decided more that I've remembered actually how much I hate the whole <laughs> like bullshit positive thinking movement. Like remember the secret? Yes. Remember when that was huge? Yes, like, I do. All of it, all of it is gross to me for various reasons that other people have more eloquently addressed. But just like watching this video and I was like, this is off, but it caused me to think about other things in my life, but I, I just did want to note that I was, I reflected a bit more and I was like, Oh, right. This stuff is, this stuff is gross. Um, that being said, I have been thinking a lot about how I speak about myself and I had, I talked about it in therapy and that feels positive. And like, as anyone knows who maybe has gone through this, I, I have a lot of shame about the ways I've, been in my life because of, and a lot of it I now can understand are because I'm neurodivergent, which I've never really understood. And so mm. there's a lot of like, uh, having to go back and like, or forgive myself and like learn to love myself again. Wow. This is really deep. Um, so that is more what has been happening for me. Now, if we do want to talk about fun kind of new agey stuff. I am taking a vision boarding class this week and I'm very excited about it. Oh, okay. I love a vision board. I love vision boards. I actually genuinely do love making vision boards and I have found them to be really just like powerful tools. Oh, I can't believe I just said that, but it's true. Um, And then this year, okay. Some so this already exists, and I just need to find it. And actually, a listener just I think emailed with a suggestion of somebody who does this. I want to find some sort of like home cleaning schedule. Yeah, they recognize they recommended an organizer. I haven't looked at this, so I'm just saying what a listener sent to us called Go Simplified that provides a quote free calendar with weekly tasks. I think having some sort of like weekly 
cleaning schedule for my home would help me from feeling overwhelmed about everything being a mess. Because what I tend to do is like, I look around and I'm like, I should clean that part and that and that and that and that and that. And then I just get like, um, I turn to stone and I don't do any of it. If someone has a kind of weekly cleaning schedule that helps you tackle all the weird corners of your house or some sort of, you know, I know there are a lot of people who do this stuff online. Um, so I'm going to do my own research here, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm investing. I'm investigating this week, like some sort of thing to not only help us organize, but not for me not to feel nauseated by the clutter because clutter really makes me feel mm. sick, but I don't know how to not create it. Um, I feel the same way. And we actually got an email from someone who was like, who said they had listened to um, a podcast where someone, a guest came on named Dana K. White, who has their own podcast called A Slob Comes Clean. And this listener wrote that Dana's method is to focus on the decluttering process and also to understand it is a constant process. You are never done. And that's the secret to people's homes that are so neat and tidy. They are always decluttering. And when I read this, I was like, oh, oh, like it's so obvious. You know what I mean? Like, of course. Yeah. But I think it's actually a really important mindset shift because in my brain it's like oh i get an organizer to come in or like i mm -hmm. reorganize and then i'm done it's like before mm -hmm. and after pics you know what i mean mm -hmm. but no one ever talks about the after after oh and I was like, oh, right. Of course, that's why people, that's why good organizers are always talking about systems. <laughs> like, you got to have oh, a system. That's what those are for. <laughs> like, you a know, system. the mail comes and you open it right away. And you know what I mean? Like, <sighs> everything has to have a system. And I don't have any systems. I have no systems. I don't either. I've got zero so, systems. My systems are panic. My, and, like, my systems are. My systems are uh, yielding. I've yielded to the clutter. Oh, like you've just accepted it and like given just into it, you feel? I've, I've just like, I've given up. I feel like I've given up. I've given in. And I've just been like, okay, this is the way, this is the way my life is. The clutter has won. And I just have to like, like I have to navigate i just have to live with it i have to figure out how i can accommodate the clutter because mm. it is like it i just don't even know where to start but i hate now, do it you, is that what you is that what you want it to be like do you want no to? i just said i hate it okay you hate it you hate it yes, so you don't I hate want it to i don't want it to be this to way okay okay no i hate it i like i'm looking at my desk right now i'm like this fucking mess of a desk like ugh. but like the thought of even just like starting is like oh so that's where I'm at. Yeah. Anyway, deeply, like yeah. very, very deeply. I, there's a, there's an article in the New York times uh, that I read today called depression rooms and doom piles. Why clearing the clutter can feel impossible. 
Maybe that's why this is on my brain a little bit. I'll send you the link. It's like kind of helpful, but also I, I read it and I was like, this hasn't solved my problems. Mm. Thanks for nothing, New York Times. <sighs> wow. Well, ending on a dark that note. That got kind of deep. <laughs> it did. It did. You know, we're works in progress. Well, listen, hey, if you feel the same way, let us know because we appreciate misery loves company, right? But also like mm-hmm. uh, clutter loves company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, look, Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dori Shafrir and Kate Spencer. It's produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager and our network partner is Acast. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye.